0: This episode continues my personal story with magic. Trigger warning. This episode talks about a demonic experience. If this topic scares you, or brings back negative memories, please skip over. At the end of August 2005, I packed everything I had in trash bags, loaded it all into my mom's car, and we set off for New York City. It was two days of classic rock and the horrifying news coverage of Hurricane Katrina. We finally pulled up to my 20-floor dorm high-rise in midtown Manhattan, unloaded my things, and my mom was off as quickly as we came. We had moved twice since my childhood home, so I didn't have much, just some clothes, my tarot deck, and a few other items. I was so excited to prove myself and my talents to my teachers, but magic was still a distant thought that forever echoed within me. I started classes immediately after I moved into the dorms and, of course, made friends with a few people who also loved magic. I became very close with someone who I thought embodied the ideal Wiccan spirit. He was a wonderful artist and deeply empathetic person, full of imagination. He believed in the power of crystals and talismans and loved nature and the craft of magic. He brought spell work back into my life and inspired me to take magic more seriously. He performed readings for me using the Mother Peace Tarot, a circular deck with anthropological and ancestral images covering each card. His readings for me were always filled with swords, A frustrating conundrum then, but so appropriate looking back on it. What the coven had given me in practice, he was able to give me as a lifestyle. I decided, alongside memorizing scripts, I would begin memorizing tarot card meanings. I turned to the now famous source Biddy Tarot for guidance. This was 15 years ago, when the site looked far more like a blog though the thorough descriptions have pretty much remained the same. My friend had gifted me a new deck and the excitement of fortune-telling compelled me to go beyond the safety of my small magical group. I started offering readings to my roommates and people in my dorm. I was okay at it, but what I thought would feel fluid and awe-inspiring ended up feeling limited and rehearsed. I started getting bored with tarot, deciding instead to practice another skill, mediumship. One day, during a tarot reading for someone in my dorm, I asked to hold their hand. I wanted to see if I could pick up on how they were feeling. I imagined a ball of energy in their heart center. And from there, watched it move up to their collarbone, over their shoulder, down the length of their arm, and into their hand, where it transferred into my hand, moving up the length of my arm, Over my shoulder, down my collarbone, and drop into my heart center. I did this very slowly to start, really visualizing the process. At first, I could only read very obvious emotions like happy, sad, angry, and nervous. But quickly, I started sensing more complicated feelings. They were happy, but it was because they impressed someone or they were sad because a romantic interest hadn't called them back. Soon, I was forgoing tarot altogether, finding it more satisfying to take people's hand, becoming one with their narratives. Throughout my first year of college, my friend and I regularly worked with Ouija, summoning all sorts of mythical people to the board, including different gods and goddesses. One goddess we met ended up haunting my mind for almost 15 years. She came to the board almost every time and would move the eye slowly and deliberately, always asking for me, first spelling her name, then spelling mine. She would talk to me about my gifts and my purpose on earth. She would tell me to keep practicing and to stop being overcome by romance. She always spelled everything perfectly creating whole sentences with excellent grammar. My friend would say he could always tell when she was about to appear on the board. He would feel a slow, energetic massage around his body, along with a sense of an overwhelming presence. Her name was Ishtar, and neither of us had heard of her until the day she came to the board. Though I had read a lot of Greek mythology as a child, I couldn't place her, So I turned to the still budding internet and was able to find all sorts of information on her. If you Google right now, who was the first goddess, you'll see her name at the top of the search. Her other well-known name is Inanna, but she didn't seem to like that name whenever I brought it up. She felt like a mentor and a guide from a different dimension. I wanted to be with her in a place where I didn't have to question my sanity. For though she led me deeper into my psychic senses, she wasn't anything I could talk about outside of my small group of friends. Who would believe me? My double life was stronger now than ever. From this point, my reality started to blur and I began to question my career path. Should I have explored magic instead of acting? How would that have been possible? If I decided to change course right now, what would I do next? I wrestled with this until a new person entered the friend group. Someone who was more spiritually porous than I had ever encountered. He was adopted, but knew his Haitian heritage. He changed his name quite a few times and was fluid in gender and identity. He was very good with healing and able to allow spirits to overtake his body and communicate through him. There was one night with him that I will never forget. We had decided to meet late that evening in my dorm room to perform some magic. He wanted to channel an entity, which we'd done a few times before. Problem was, though he could shapeshift... He had no control over himself once he was in a trance. This time, it was an entity that was so strong, if the windows hadn't had a safety lock preventing them from opening wide enough for someone to fall out, he would have willingly thrown himself out. He had shapeshifted into some creature with wings. He said he was planning to channel Archangel Gabriel... But I'm not sure that's who came through. His eyes went totally black. His movements were neither animal nor human. He put his lips together and blew a long gust of air into the room, as if to cleanse it. He took my tarot cards and smacked them on the floor, one by one, pointing at them. He couldn't communicate as this entity, only gesture at the cards to relay information, which was impossible to understand. After about 10, maybe 15 minutes, he lunged towards the window, pulled it as far open as he could, and tried to push his body out. I was able to pull him back inside and somehow get him out of the trance, but that experience was the beginning of the end for me. My roommates heard everything and expressed deep discomfort with my activities. I felt exposed and way out of my depth. I started to distance myself from magic, as I had many times before, but this time wouldn't prove as easy. Soon after the intense experience with my channeling friend, I started to hear slow, scratching sounds on the wall at the head of my bed. It was subtle at first, so I tried to ignore it, telling myself it was an issue with the other side of the wall, mice maybe. But soon, the scratching got louder and longer, accompanied by the sound of someone lightly knocking on the wall, as if asking me to come to the door. I let this go on for a couple weeks, but it only intensified. I felt like I was going crazy. I had a fling with a guy a few months prior who didn't go to my college, So I asked to sleep at his place for an evening to get away from the sound. He didn't like bed frames or mattresses, preferring to sleep on a blue mat on the floor. That's how desperate I was to get out of my dorm. I slept on the floor of a dingy apartment with a guy I hardly liked. He warned me not to panic if I heard any scratching as there were mice in the walls. That was welcomed news, knowing the cause of a terrifying sound. It was probably the first girl who gave him a look of relief. I stayed awake, uncomfortable on the ground and wishing I was in my own bed when I started hearing slow, familiar scratching sounds coming from one of the walls. Funny, he said, they never scratch at that wall. I needed to know if anyone else could hear the sounds while they were in my dorm with me. They seemed to only happen while I was alone or when everyone was sleeping. I was very unsure of my sanity. After all, it could have only been mice we heard, and this is all just in my head. I decided to invite my scene partner over to my room to rehearse. Not long after he arrived, the scratching sounds began. I got really quiet and took long pauses in our dialogue to highlight the noise. What's that sound? He asked. I breathed such a sigh of relief and quickly changed the topic. I was so thankful that my mind wasn't deceiving me. But still, what was I going to do? How do I get this thing, this demon, out of my space? I went to visit my aunt and uncles out in a neighboring state. I wanted to get as far away as possible to clear my energy. They have a beautiful house in a small suburb with about an acre in between each house. I thought their logical and realistic home life was no match for this otherworldly intrusion. Late that night, well after everyone had gone to bed, I lay awake, scared of what might happen. The sounds of claws began to softly scratch on the wall behind my head, followed by one knock here and another knock over there, until the noises spread across the wall, getting louder and louder. Suddenly, I heard a booming sound against the wall, as if someone tried to ram their shoulder against it. For the next few minutes that felt like hours, I was pummeled by these sounds. I hid under my blankets and waited for it to be over. When it finally died down, I ran out from my room to look at the other side of the wall. Nothing was there. No one woke up. No one heard anything. I got back to my dorm, determined to end this. I called my friend from my previous college, the girl who'd listened to me, encouraged me, and loved me. She picked up, and we spoke. I told her everything that I felt in over my head, and I needed her help. She was so gracious and so incredibly magical that she knew exactly what I should do. She told me that she'd heard of this before and that I needed to create what she called boundaries. She told me to visualize a protective force field that radiated with light, making it impossible for anything to get through. She said I was strong, and if I demanded them, they would leave. I hung up the phone, sat on my bed, and began to visualize. I saw a large bubble surrounding me, radiating solar light that could disintegrate anything that came too close to my absolute surprise it worked almost immediately something that haunted me for weeks suddenly vanished I meditated for a few days after visualizing energetic boundaries and it continued to work my mind slowly shifted back to normal but the experience didn't leave me unfazed Something locked up inside of me. That was too much and too far. I concluded I had no idea what I was doing and that I never would. I told myself I was done pursuing magic. I was going to be a successful actress. I was going to fall madly in love. And I was going to live happily ever after like a normal person. The years that followed were a very long, dark night of the soul. In the next episode, I'll discuss the effects of trauma on my everyday life and how the pain of learning the hard way slowly began to heal me. But for now, we go on to the threes. In the previous episodes, we talked about aces representing the pure energy of the suit and twos as balancing energy. When you pull a three in the minor arcana, you're now dealing with group energy in which you play a significant role. The dynamic of the group is determined by the suit, for better or worse. Numerology defines this number as collective and creative energy. Threes are also the last card in group one, so they are still the beginning of the story or a new experience. The Three of Wands represents the group energy of success and future endeavors. You're ready to move forward in your life, thoroughly supported by the mentors, teachers, and institutions that prepared you. This card displays certainty and optimism for the road ahead. When I pull this card in a reading, I know the person is looking to the future. Everything they've worked toward is fully possible for them now. They're ready to fulfill their destiny without fear or reservation. They've received the proper training, certificates, and mentorship to stand fully in their purpose. Confident in themselves and their ability, the sky is their only limit. When I pull this card in my own readings, I'm confident about the path ahead. I'm feeling solid in my knowledge and capabilities, and the card is confirming that I can indeed make this happen. Being collective energy, this card encourages me to gather the right people together that will support my endeavors. The Three of Cups represents friendships, family, and like-minded people. If you pull this card, you're probably feeling good about your relationships, a group you've joined, or you're looking for others who share your thoughts and interests. When I pull this card in a reading, I know the person is fully enjoying or leaning on a positive friend group. Even if other areas of life aren't going as they'd like, they are embracing the love of their chosen family. This can also indicate a celebration that their friends and family would love to join in on, such as a baby shower, engagement party, or a private success. When I pull this card in my own readings, it usually highlights that I've been away from my friends for too long. It's a reminder that my focus doesn't always have to be so serious and work-oriented, that my friendships also inspire and refresh me, It also sometimes points to a group or chat that I have or may join soon. The Three of Swords represents pain, brought on by disappointment or heartache. Being collective energy, this usually involves someone or something inflicting that pain, be it presently or echoing from the past. If you're not the one in pain, someone in your life may bring up that you hurt their feelings in some way. This card is unfortunately just as bad as it looks. Though time does heal all wounds, we can't avoid pain, as it's one of the many natural feelings we all inevitably have. When I pull this in a reading, I know the person was hurt. This card is far more often about cheating than the Seven of Swords, if you can believe it. If the pain is not coming from a relationship, it's coming from disappointment, Maybe they were hoping for something that ended up letting them down or betraying them. When I pull this for myself, I know something I want or have been working toward is going to leave me feeling sad and maybe even bad about myself. I brace for my mind to tell me I'm not good enough and I should just quit whatever I'm doing. I remind myself that this too shall pass. The Three of Pentacles represents collaboration and recognition. When you pull this card, you're working alongside others to complete a project. Everyone has a different essential skill that's suited for this group effort. You or your team as a whole could be recognized for the beautiful work you've done together. When I pull this card in a reading, I know the person is working in a team and they're shining in their role. They could even get a promotion for their outstanding performance. They certainly enjoy working alongside such talented and cooperative colleagues, and they see themselves continuing at their job for the foreseeable future. When I pull this card for myself, I know I'll be an asset to an already incredible team. Each of us is talented in our own way and can easily play whatever role we're assigned This can also indicate a project that's come up that may show off my talents, leading to extra pay or more work that I enjoy doing. Please continue the exercise found in the previous episode, and I'm excited to see you all next week when we go over the fours. Blessed be.